folks, welcome back to the Ubuntu Security Podcast. It is episode 211. It's been a bit of a long break for myself, but I am back in the podcast chair. So this week, we will do the usual security fixes that have happened uh, over the past week in the supported Ubuntu releases. And we're going to cover the big news of, I guess, the last week or so, which is that uh, Ubuntu 23.10, the Mantic Minotaur, has been released. Plus, we're also going to do a bit of a call for testing on the new user namespace restrictions. But let's dive into the different security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. So this week, there were 26 unique CVEs that were addressed by the team. And up first, we actually had some updates for curl. So in this case, a couple of different CVEs addressed here. Um, some of these were addressed in our uh, stable releases first, and then we backported those as well to curl in uh, some of the releases that are in expanded security maintenance now, so available via Ubuntu Pro. Now, the main vulnerability here uh, was in the handling of cookies, actually, in uh, curl. So curl is not just a command line application that you may be aware of, but uh, there's libcurl, which is a very popular library, obviously, for doing uh, HTTP requests and many other network protocols as well. In this case, if an application was using libcurl, uh, it would potentially end up loading arbitrary cookies from a file on disk uh, if it ended up using a certain API. Basically, uh, curl allows an application to duplicate a particular handle that it has using a function curl easy dupe handle. Uh, that would then duplicate that handle and it would then go and try to uh, duplicate any cookies that were as part of that. But if the first uh, handle didn't have any cookies and then it would store that uh, via the string none, uh, the second function would then go and try to load cookies from a file named none on disk. And so if you can imagine if you're a local attacker, you can create a file on disk called none that's in uh, the current working directory for whatever that application would be, it can then go and load those and you can then get uh, arbitrary cookies loaded into uh, that application and therefore sent over those connections. So that was fixed for curl. Uh, there was actually another issue in curl fixed for uh, some of the more recent releases as well, which was a possible buffer overflow when using a SOX5 proxy if the specified hostname that it ended up looking up was longer than 255 bytes, uh, that was fixed as well. Then we had some updates for Samba. So four different CVEs were rolled into that. Uh, in this case, I'm just looking at the update for uh, Mantic, the Ubuntu 2310. Uh, so there were various logic issues here that were fixed in Samba that could result in a range of different effects, ranging from attackers being able to truncate read-only files on disk or the ability to cause Samba to stop responding and therefore cause a denial of service against it all the way through to the ability to possibly obtain all domain secrets in one case. Uh, when shipping this update for Samba in uh, one of our older releases, so Ubuntu 20.04 LTS, uh, there was a regression that was unfortunately introduced and it was a bit of a weird one because uh, there wasn't anything wrong with the patches that were applied or anything like that. It was actually happened at compile time. So it looks like uh, it got miscompiled by one of the build machines on Launchpad. Uh, as a result, then uh, it introduced a weird bug where if you were using uh, the percent %u placeholder in uh, the SMB conf to say specify uh, a username that would be in place of like a path so say you want to set up a share that is slash home slash percent you slash say i don't know shared that would then mean that for every user uh, that percent you would translate into their username and that means then basically every user would have their uh, files that were under that uh, shared directory within their home directory shared which you know sounds nice and good except it wouldn't then properly process that percent you directive and you would just end up trying to share the directory slash home slash shared 
that was fixed simply by just triggering a rebuild of uh, Samba. So a bit of a weird one, but what we've done is we've uh, introduced a new regression test to make sure that we catch that in the future if in case it ever does get reintroduced by whatever that particular build machine is. Uh, and I guess we're gonna keep looking into that one behind the scenes to make sure we can actually uh, nail down what was actually happening there. Uh, but moving on, we then had an update for FFmpeg for uh, some of our older releases as well. So six CVEs fixed and that is for our releases 16.04 and 18.04, both of those part of extended security maintenance and then uh, 20.04 LTS. Uh, most of these are just memory leaks in the handling of various crafted files. So the ability therefore to trigger a denial of service as a result by exhausting all memory and say crashing the FFmpeg process. Uh, one of them though was a heat-based buffer overflow. So you can imagine you could possibly get remote code execution through that through a crafted file, but probably more likely just uh, the ability to crash FFmpeg and a denial of service again. And then the ability uh, to trigger uh, an integer overflow as well during uh, the calculation of the frames per second. So a bit of a low priority with the one there, but now they're all fixed for FFmpeg. IPerf3 was updated for a single CVE, plus another bug actually that was found in the process. So uh, Jorge on our team, one of the uh, newer engineers was updating uh, IPerf3 for an integer overflow that could lead to a heat-based buffer overflow, therefore a remote code execution or possible crash. Uh, in this case, essentially uh, when parsing a frame, iperf would allocate memory for the frame plus an extra byte for a trailing null character. Uh, you can probably see where this is going. So if the length of the frame was uh, max uint, that would then, uh, if you add one to that, that then wraps around to zero and you end up allocating zero memory. And then when you go to try to copy uh, the data into that you know, memory that didn't get allocated, that's a buffer overflow directly there or at least a heat-based uh, uh, corruption. And therefore that's why we get possible code execution or at least a crash. Now, when preparing the update and testing for this, Jorge discovered that he was actually able to cause iperf uh, or the iperf server to hang indefinitely uh, on various crafted input. So he went and reported that upstream. They developed a fix for that and we've gone and included that fix here as well. So yeah, thanks for that, Jorge. And for, thanks for being so, I guess, thorough and diligent and finding another bug along the way. Uh, after that was an update for Quagga, a couple of different CVEs fixed there. Uh, both of those were denial of service issues. Uh, actually, both of them were out of bounds reads that could be triggered through crafted input resulting in a possible crash. Uh, those same couple of vulnerabilities were fixed in FRR because FRR is the new Quagga. It's got, the project got renamed to that recently. Um, plus we rolled in an extra fix as well for those because they're more recent release. Python was updated for a possible use after free in the heap queue module, and that's uh, the priority queue implementation within uh, Python, so within the standard library. That is for a bunch of our older releases that are through Ubuntu Pro. Now, this next one, this actually got a fair bit of press. Uh, libq, the uh, queue sheet uh, parser, was updated for a single CVE here that was discovered by Kevin Backhouse from the GitHub security team. In this case, Kevin discovered an out-of-bounds right there and he actually went looking at libq because it is used by uh, the application tracker or uh, tracker extract is the binary that ends up using that, which is uh, part of the GNOME desktop and it's used to index uh, all of the files that are usually in your home directory. So then you can easily search those within uh, the GNOME dashboard. Um, 
And so in this case, what would happen is with a crafted cue sheet file, if you download that, it ends up in your downloads directory. In the background, uh, this tracker application is running. It then goes and parses that cue sheet file. In this case, uh, it, c it contains an exploit against libq for this vulnerability that then causes, uh, or, and it contains a bunch of shell code. That then means that that shell code then executes in the context of uh, tracker extract, which is uh, part of the tracker package running as your user. And therefore you get code execution as the local user on the machine just by downloading a particular file. So yeah, a really cool bug and I guess showing the uh, the way that these different things are chained together. And as I said, um, Kevin went looking at libq solely because it is used as part of Tracker because he wanted this kind of you know, one-click download um, exploit. Now, looking at uh, the upstream Tracker developers or the GNOME project that uh, write Tracker, they actually have already, well, it Historically, they've always had a set comp based sandbox that they use to limit the impact of these sorts of bugs. And this isn't the first time we've seen a bug like this uh, be exploited. So a few years ago, I recall there was one in GStreamer that uh, was executed, uh, that was exploited through Tracker in a similar way. And so this sandbox is there for a very good reason because you've got this application that's parsing all kinds of arbitrary file formats. You know, you can imagine it's the kind of thing that is ripe for exploitation like that. And so in exploiting this, Kevin found a way that he could bypass that setconf filter because the way it was implemented upstream is that uh, there's a main thread used by Tracker Extract that's just kind of sitting there waiting to index files as far as I understand. It then goes and spawns a new thread for every file that it wants to index. And then it's those threads where the setconf filter gets applied and that kind of makes sense because they're the ones actually doing the extraction but Kevin was able to bypass that setcom filter by just delegating uh, the code to be executed to the main thread to be able to bypass that um, it looks like the upstream developers actually were already aware of this uh, limitation in the sandbox and they'd already been uh, working on ideas of how to improve it but the way they ended up doing that was actually just to make sure they applied uh, the setcom filter to all of the threads including the main thread and I think they then just uh, opened the permissions just slightly to make sure that would work properly and that then means now that uh, the sandbox for Tracker is reasonably more comprehensive. Um, for Ubuntu uh, that will get rolled in I guess in 2404 automatically when we receive that update and uh, hopefully we'll look at uh, SIUing that back to older releases as well to add in that uh, defense in depth. So yeah, thanks Kevin for reporting that and I guess making the whole uh, community a bit safer, but also I guess triggering a fair bit of uh, media interest in uh, Linux security, which is kind of cool to see. What else? We had an update for GhostScript for our more recent releases, so 2004, 2204, and 2304. Uh, in this case, it was a possible sandbox escape through a crafted PostScript document uh, since it was able to modify uh, the specified IJS server parameter binary. So basically, uh, you can use this IJS backend that then needs to spawn a binary uh, on your machine that is used then to process that. And it turns out the document is able to specify what that should be. And so you can just imagine you can specify some arbitrary other uh, binary to run instead and that then gets run outside of the usual uh, sandbox that is in GhostScript. And then we had an update for uh, one of our kernels on uh, Azure. So that's for 14.04 users. So if you're still running Ubuntu 14.04 on Azure, that's uh, six CVEs that were rolled into that. Uh, it covers various issues that I've looked at previously. So things like a couple of different use after freeze, one in the network packet classifier subsystem and one in the Bluetooth subsystem. Uh, as well as a couple of different uh, speculative execution vulnerabilities, uh, one in AMD processors and one on Intel that we've talked about previously and a couple others. 
And then finally for the week, the last thing updated was PMIX. This is uh, the open PMIX implementation. Uh, that's the process management interface exascale standard. That's basically an API used in uh, high performance computing environments uh, to achieve you know, interconnect, but also uh, to get you know, really good performance out of your applications running in that environment. In this case, uh, it, it was a possible privilege escalation through a race condition. Essentially, this library wants to go and set ownership of a bunch of files uh, under the hood and uh, it does that using a Chown. Uh, but if one of those files was actually a symlink, uh, Chown will follow that symlink and then go and set the ownership of whatever that points to. And some of this runs as root. So you can imagine that if you are a DBS user that is able to swap out that symlink at runtime and race against uh, OpenPMIX, you're able to then get it to set the ownership of some other arbitrary file as say your user and therefore get read of that file, which perhaps you didn't have read of in the first place. And you can use that then to escalate your privileges uh, that was fixed by just using uh, the Elch own system call instead, which doesn't follow symlinks. So yeah, one to look out for if you are writing uh, similar code uh, in C. But yeah, that is it then for the week in security updates. Okay, so like I said, uh, at the start, the other big thing that happened uh, this past week or so was the release of Ubuntu 23.10, the Mantic Minotaur. This is the latest uh, interim release for Ubuntu. It is supported for nine months. Uh, we know that in general, these aren't usually used by uh, enterprise customers and the like, but it is a really good way to get a good preview of a lot of the features that are gonna end up in the next LTS. So in this case, 2404, that will be released in April next year. Uh, this release is a culmination of the last six months of work and it does roll in a bunch of really new cool security technologies. It raises the bar uh, in terms of security in a couple different ways. And I've talked about both of these in previous episodes, but uh, the two big features really are uh, this new experimental uh, TPM backed full disk encryption that is on a bit of a reworking of the Ubuntu desktop. Essentially, you can use uh, this experimental installer option to then use the TPM to store uh, the full description passphrase, essentially. Uh, that is then tied to your hardware, and it means that if someone, say, were to take the disk out of your machine and stick it in another machine when it's powered off, they're not able to then decrypt that disk, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, it also means then you don't have to type in a passphrase when you boot your machine. Now, obviously, that has, I guess, a different threat model then because maybe you're using uh, the ability to, or to know a passphrase when someone uh, boots the machine as a way of stopping attackers from using your machine, so you've got to weigh that up. But uh, yeah, that is uh, a kind of feature that has been often requested. It's often used in IoT environments and the like, and now we're bringing it to Ubuntu Desktop as well, which is really cool. The other new big feature that we've talked about a couple times uh, on the podcast is uh, unprivileged user namespace restrictions that is done through AppArmor. So this is something that uh, I myself actually been working on, uh, plus John Johansson and Georgia Garcia on the AppArmor team. So this is a way of using AppArmor to designate processes that should be allowed to use unprivileged user namespaces and then stop, I guess, every other application from using them. The idea then is that you make sure that every application that needs them has an appropriate profile that specifies that permission and everything else doesn't. And that then means that any exploit or anything else that's running on your machine is not able to abuse unprivileged user namespaces to essentially widen the attack surface into the kernel and exploit other kernel bugs that may be lurking there. So this is uh, something that we did want to have turned on by default for the release, but uh, due to, I guess, a, lot, a few last minute uh, complexities that wasn't able to be done. But the thing we are looking for is really to try and get as many people as possible to turn this on once you do either upgrade to 2310 or you do install it fresh. 
we've done a lot of work behind the scenes to try to make that as smooth as possible. There's just a, a single syscall that you need to set to turn that on in the kernel. And you can do that either just uh, on the command line and that will then set it for that current uh, boot. Uh, or you can then set it via uh, etc. syscall.d with a new file there that specifies uh, syscall as well. And I've got uh, details of that in the show notes. I won't bother trying to detail it too much here uh, on audio, but yeah, check the show notes. You'll be able to see the details there or go read uh, the release notes for the release. That's also got it detailed as well. Um, the idea then is if you do find something that doesn't work as you expect, uh, you can then either you know, report that to us, we'll help you create a profile for that, or you can create a simple profile for it yourself. Uh, it uses this new unconfined profile flag that I talked about uh, a few episodes ago uh, when I talked about the new app I'm afforded O release. That essentially allows you to designate a profile to have no restrictions applied to it. So it acts as though the application wasn't confined. But then in this case, you can then go and kind of inject additional permissions. So in this case, the ability to use unprivileged user namespaces. And that then means you've got a nice short little profile, very easy to write, very easy to, easy to reason about as well. Again, I've got uh, an example of that in the show notes. So from a defensive point of view though, if you think about this a bit further, uh, you now say have these profiles sitting on your machine that allow things that are unconfined to now use unprivileged user namespaces. And you might be thinking, well, I already know there is the utility AAXEC that allows you to execute some arbitrary thing within some arbitrary AppArmor profile. Can't I just use that to execute my malware and have it now get access to unprivileged user namespaces? And yes, you could accept that we've now introduced, or John, should I say, has now introduced an additional syscall that then restricts that. That is called uh, AppArmor Restrict Unprivileged Unconfined, not surprisingly. And again, I've got that documented in the show notes if you want to go and have a look. So you should make sure that if you actually want to use this from a defensive security technology point of view to harden your system, as the whole idea of this feature is meant to be, uh, you go and set that syscall as well for now too. Now, once you do set both of these, obviously you may run into various applications that don't work as uh, they expect. You know, they are now potentially denied access to unprivileged user namespaces. If you do, like I said, you can go and create a profile for them, but more useful is if you can report that to us. We want to make sure that uh, the AppArmor package itself out of the box is shipping as many of these profiles as it can so that as many applications that are both within the Ubuntu archive, but uh, I guess almost more importantly, things that are third-party applications that are outside of the Ubuntu archive, we've got those covered as well. So that means that if you're running, I don't know, the Brave browser on your machine, which isn't in the archive, but you can go and download a deb for that and run it, that that doesn't get blocked from using these. And uh, it's important to know, I guess, anything that's built on top of Chromium will likely use unprivileged user namespaces. So like I said, like Brave or any other browser that's based on Chromium or even all the various Electron apps because they use Chromium under the hood and therefore the Chromium sandbox, which wants unprivileged user namespaces. So yeah, anything that you find like that, make sure that you let us know. And the easiest way you can do that is to report a bug against the AppArmor package. And you can just simply do that by running Ubuntu-bug AppArmor on the command line or you can uh, visit Launchpad and uh, file a bug there. And I've got a link again in the show notes for that. So yeah, if you are running 2310 or if you do want to install it and give it a go and check you know, whether your favorite applications work as you expect with this new uh, feature enabled, I urge you to go and install it and turn that on and see what happens and let us know. Uh, this is the kind of thing that we really, really would like to enable for 2404 out of the box. But to do that, we need to make sure we've got as wide a coverage as possible for all these various things uh, in the archive and outside as well. So yeah, turn it on, let us know what breaks or what doesn't, and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Cool, and that brings us to the end of this week's episode. 
So as usual, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us about anything you've heard on here, you can always email the team, security at Ubuntu.com. You can also find us in the Ubuntu security channel on Libera.chat, the IRC network, because we are old school like that. Or we are on Mastodon as well at Ubuntu security at Fosterdon.org too. Okay, so I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.